down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman and I'm the host of Track World News presented by The Harrier. And today is our third episode in the Moving Mountains docuseries, which is following the chaotic 2020-2021 season of Mount St. Mary's track and field. In our previous episode, we got the behind the scenes view of two of the previous conference championships and how the new generation of track athletes at the Mount are changing the entire program. Today, we'll look at the difficulty that the 2020 year put on the team and everything leading up to the very first meet of the season. 2020, a year that many thought would be one for the ages. Unfortunately, it was, but for all the wrong reasons. The year started off with the death of beloved sports icon Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. Little did we know, this was only the beginning of a year that would feel like an eternity. Not two months later, the entire world stood still as the COVID-19 pandemic began to worsen and our lives as we knew it began to shift completely. In the sports world, we saw games canceled at halftime, champions left uncrowned, and schedules left barren. Here on the track, student athletes were warming up for the indoor national championship when they were told the meet was canceled with the first race just hours away. What was hoped to be a minor inconvenience turned into a global pandemic. With the outdoor season just weeks away, there was still hope for a return to normal, but we all know that that didn't happen. Looking back to before the shutdown, the Mount was hoping to take the momentum of the previous titles into the 2020 Indoor NEC Championship. The women were determined to reclaim their title, and the men looked to capture their very first indoor team victory. With the conclusion of the meet, both the men and the women ended up finishing in second place and being more of an outdoor team meant that something special could be right around the corner. The women saw contributions from familiar faces, such as Chardane Logan and Najee Nickerson, but also from some new faces, like freshman Emily Lewis, who was awarded freshman of the meet and most outstanding sprinter after capturing the school record in the 60-meter hurdles and anchoring the championship 4x4 team. The men saw a lot of help across the board, scoring in all but three events, led by sophomore jumper Dylan Leneau, who won the MVP award and Most Outstanding Jumper award after he captured gold medals in both the long jump and the high jump. The next week, a select group of athletes competed in the IC4A and ECAC championships, an East Coast championship that's held in Boston. Here, pole vaulter Carter Nave would snake over a 5.05 meter bar on his first attempt to claim a new indoor school record. After an excellent indoor season, the team was excited to start their outdoor campaign, but that hope would have to wait as the world shut down just a day before departing for the very first meet of the outdoor season. Days turned to weeks, weeks turned to months, and months turned to years. The outdoor season was canceled. What was set up to be a promising year had been taken away, and all the hard work that had been put in the year before would go unrewarded. While the NCAA granted all student-athletes an extra year of eligibility, this is an offer that many of the seniors were not able to take advantage of. 
Of the 24 seniors that were granted this extra year to compete, only three returned for their fifth season. The pandemic also showed to have an effect on the underclassmen as well, which saw some of the team's top contributors ending their track careers early for a variety of reasons. Like everyone else throughout the world, the team was stuck at home with a very uncertain future. No one knew when the next meet would be, what the team would look like in the future, or if they'd ever be able to compete again. It was truly a scary time. With the team spread out across not only the entire country, but the globe, Coach Phillips had to figure out a way to keep his team engaged. While summer workout plans were provided for the athletes during the first year, much like any other season, the return to the mount was very difficult in the fall. Coming back to campus was a chore in and of itself. Some students were partially remote and partially in person, some were fully remote, and this seemed to change with the wind. At one point during the beginning of the school year, some students were living off campus and decided to stay at a local hotel, which posed its own problems when getting to class, going to morning practice, and also just being confined to one room outside of all of your practice and class time. Flashing back a few years, the new president of Mount St. Mary's, Tim Trainer, had made it clear that an area of importance for him was to expand the Division I scholarship sports that was provided by the Mount. And this happened very, very quickly. When I was a freshman at the Mount in 2016, there were 14 sponsored sports. But by the start of the fall 2021 semester, just five years later, that number has now grown to 22 teams. During a typical year, this would not be much of a problem, as each team has their own practice area and designated weight room access. But shortly after the shutdown, some potential logistical problems have shown up. Training groups started with one-on-one -on -one coaching, and weight room time was spread out so that all student-athletes would get the time that they needed, even with this limited capacity. So coaches had to get creative. And even with so many roadblocks, Coach Phillips had to find a way to keep the team engaged and ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, training in the fall semester, you know, that early part of the pandemic, uh, given what we knew at the time, you know, compared to what we know now, it's a, it's a much different story. It, it, it took a lot of planning and some groups were able just to more or less train normally, um, just in smaller groups or, you know, you practice at a couple different times to keep it small. Um, but then other groups had to, had to change pretty much everything that they did and, and, and some groups in between, right? So from a coach, you know, when, when there was, you know, data out that supported COVID being, um, uh, easily sort of, uh, communicated through, uh, through, like surfaces, right? So, so we had to plan time to wipe down the implements, right? Before, you know, before every session and have small group sessions and everyone brought their own implements down, took their own implements home, you know, you know, trying to share as little as possible, you know, in their, in between reps, we had, we had actually spray painted things on the ground where, you know, little markings so that, you know, in between reps of a workout, you actually had your, your little, you know, six eight foot box that <laughs> that you sort of stood in uh, uh away from everybody else you weren't we weren't congregating in in between reps you know and obviously masking at certain times masks able to come down other times so a lot of just logistical planning from from that aspect on a on a you know throughout the summer as we're preparing but then actually managing that day to day um became quite the effort 
uh, one of the largest things, tough decisions we had to make was was regard to lifting, right? So our, our weight room isn't isn't large, and um, you know our strength conditioning staff had to make decisions in terms of um, times time slots allowed per team. We have one of the larger teams, um, and so how to how to negotiate uh, a limited capacity in the weight room with no additional hours. Um, hours given to us throughout, you know, to throughout the week to work, uh, or, or to lift. So, uh, so, so that was tough, tough decisions, right? And we prioritized the, the throwers, the multis, the jumpers, um, and then, and then negotiating, you know, for, for the sprinters and hurdlers and distance runners, right. An ability to, to modify certain lifts and get, get weights outside to be able to lift outside. Right. So we'd store stuff in the shed, you know, thank goodness the weather was nice most of the fall and, and we were able to get, get work in, you know, right off the track, um, next to, next to the Morton building, you know, and we were, you know, and the sprinters and hurdlers were able to see the weight room once a week on, on Saturdays. Um, but, but planning that type of thing in a reduced, reduced per person capacity was a, was a massive challenge. And now looking back, I mean, I think we did it, we did a great job. I, I, you know, people performed well all across the board, but, um, but it took a lot of long, hard hours to kind of make those decisions and then plan training around those decisions. Um, I mean, I know I personally, for, for my group, I gave them extra recovery. Um, it was, you know, we lost a lot of training in the spring training in the summer was hit and miss based on, um, someone's hometown or personal situation with regards to the pandemic. Um, and then the extra stress of, of being in college through a pandemic, right? All the extra hoops they have to go through, um, uh, just to just to manage every single day adds adds a, a type of workload to to the athletes. So I I actually gave them more recovery this this fall and this year than uh, than ever had before. And again, it, it it ended up ended up being a right decision. We you know we didn't have many injuries at all. Uh, people still performed very very well. Um, but again, as a coach, that's a that's like a you know, at, in the moment, it seems like a, it was a big decision in the moment, a potentially really risky decision. Cause, um, you know, obviously the, 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 the obvious temptation is to keep giving more and more and more. And even, uh, even on our best days, you know, most of us fall into that trap. And this was a good reminder that, uh, uh, that people can perform well, um, uh, on, on a lot less than sometimes we, uh, uh, we like to think and the extra recovery, the extra rest, uh, really helped our guys and girls out. Being a student athlete during this time was tough, especially with a team of nearly 80 men and women that you could only meet in passing if you're lucky. For the beginning part of the school year, athletes were restricted to training with only their event groups that could have four, five, or maybe six athletes training at a time. With the limited amount of people on the track compared to the whole team being out there, it was definitely a different feel. For a team that normally would eat together, train as a whole, and hang out as a collective, Many of the people on the team before the shutdown wouldn't even know who their other teammates were because of the training times. To share what it was like being a student athlete during this strange time is senior pole vaulter Rachel Fenn. I think that we have been really trying to emphasize um, that support and cheering everyone on and just like motivating everybody in our own event groups. Um, we have 
captains and leaders um, in each event group and everyone tries to bring their individual groups closer together, but then also we've been trying to just do little things um, to kind of connect everybody. Like even something as simple as like leaving a note in someone, someone's cubby locker thing in the team room, just to kind of remind them that like, hey, we're not practicing together right now, but like, you know, I saw you do something great the other day and like just wanted to remind you of that and like stay motivated and we'll be here cheering for you. Just stuff like that. Um, to try our best to get everybody you know together and you try to when I see people like at practice you try to reach out and talk to people who aren't in your event group um but it is definitely really hard just because we're completely scattered with practice times you can't be in the same area with everybody and we also didn't really have um our traditional circuit season in the beginning of the season where you get to know everybody so it's definitely been difficult but we've been trying our best what happened next was tough for everyone on the team to hear. On October 14, 2020, the Northeast Conference announced that they would be canceling the indoor track and field championship due to COVID-19 precautions. In turn, this would also cancel the entire track and field season as well. This was yet another blow to a team that would have to sit out in their dorms as other schools across the country would be able to compete in their indoor season. It kind of felt like when you were a kid and you saw your friends playing kickball outside, but you had to stay inside because you were grounded. Even though the first meet of the season was three months away and the conference championship was five months away, the season was cut off early. For many of the athletes on the team, the last few months felt like a carousel. Three times now, they were told they were able to compete and the season was right around the corner but the rug just kept on getting yanked out from underneath them. For some, this could be a lot. I know personally if I were in a similar situation where one second I'm getting the meet day itinerary and then the next I'm hearing from the coach saying that our season was canceled, I'd be frustrated almost all the time. And this point especially was stressful for track as a whole because a few major track programs were getting cut, including William & Mary, Minnesota, and even Clemson. Hearing about William & Mary hit close to home because the team would travel there almost every year for a competition. Hearing all of this outside noise, having a year-long off-season, and then being a student on top of all of that is a perfect recipe for stress. As the months went on and we got closer to the very first meet of the season, the light at the end of the tunnel started to show. People began to create goals and plans for the outdoor year. One of those athletes was Dylan Leneau, who was the indoor jumper of the meet award winner in the previous season. Now just one year removed from his breakout performance where he was seated sixth and eighth respectfully, but took home the golds after hitting two massive PRs in long jump and triple jump, he is now ready for the outdoor year and has some very impressive goals as well. So the closest I am to qualifying for a national prelim mark would be for high jump. Um, and I'm not sure what they're doing in regards to um, who they're letting into the prelims. If they're doing top 32 or top 48. Um, I'm not going to think about it too much. I'm just going to try and jump as high as I can. But um, I'm trying to get in and around, um, you know, in between that 210 to 215 range. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's a big goal. You know, last year I had so many attempts where I, every meet I would clear some whatever's the increment between two meters and 205 and you know 208 to 210 was 
was always there. I just, I just couldn't quite find the timing. And uh, I was really excited to go into outdoor because I was really feeling a, you know, 208 to 211 jump coming. And uh, unfortunately, that's when, when COVID hit. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, uh, big weight to try and hit that. So um, uh, I'm really hoping for, uh, you know, something, something at 210 to 215. Um, and as for triple, um, I mean, I feel really good. Um, I did some rough measurements when I was uh, when doing triple just a few days ago, and it was real cold outside, and I was wearing a hoodie, and um, <clears throat> I jumped around uh, like 48 feet, so like 1465, 1470 close. Um, but uh, for the first meet, I mean, I'm hoping to PR. Um, I mean. It's been a year and I feel good and I'm not injured. So I'm going to be doing a full approach. I feel faster. So hopefully I can at least PR by at least a centimeter. I mean, um, as long as I'm close to my PR, I'm going to be happy. Um, but um, by the end of the season, I'm, I'm hoping to be, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm, if I'm over that 15 meter mark and I'm, and I'm pushing into the, the 15 teens and maybe 15 twenties, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm up there um, and long jump. I'm not sure what, which record is indoor or outdoor, but, um, you know, whether it's this year or next year, you know, I, I want to start getting close to those records and, and start trying to break some records. Um, so it's going to get exciting. I know there's one long jump record that is absolutely ridiculous by Bill Motti, but there, there's another one that's, that's in the six forties or seven forties. Um, and that's one that I'm, I'm looking to get, but. Another athlete that's getting ready for the outdoor season is senior 400 meter runner, Chalice Carruth. Over her three-year career, Chalice has had dramatic improvements in her race. She began her career running a one-minute 400-meter dash, but by entering her final season at the mount, she has lowered that by more than three seconds. Chalice has had an impact since day one on the team. In her three years competing at the conference championship, she scored in nine out of her ten races and has been a part of four championship-winning teams in the 4x400-meter relay. She learned quickly that she could hang with the top talent in the conference and that she deserves to be on the podium just like everyone else. With high hopes for the season and her track career at the Mount about to reach its horizon, she's determined to leave it all on the track. For myself, I just want to be able to progress and work on like little things in the race. Like I keep watching my race over and over to see where I could have done better. And, and that's what I just want to work on. Like I just want to work on each race time like each time like I just want to work on things slowly but surely um I don't want to set like like I definitely do want to set like time goals but I don't want to be disappointed if I don't hit those times um so it's just being able to focus on one race at a time and each time like just improve just each race that's it that's all that's like honestly my only goal for track um and just being able to be successful and happy and with wherever I end up, like whatever I do, just want to be happy and just know that I'm capable of whatever I set myself to um, based on my mindset. And like, I can be successful, um, whether I run 57 again, or hope I don't, but like, if I do, I just want to be like, just be content wherever I am and just improve on moving further and moving forward. So that's honestly my big goal. I don't want to set huge goals and upset myself. So that's, that's mm -hmm. my thing right now. Now we're just two days away from the start of the season opener in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. The only thing in between the team and this off season that seemed to never end 
and the start of the season is an eight-hour bus ride. Everyone's excited to finally return to the track and knock the rust off of what has been a crazy year so far. Everyone knows that this year is going to be different from any other season. For most meets, athletes will only be given two tickets for family members, or there'll be no fans at all. The normally loud track will be silent and sound more like a practice rather than an actual competition. In our next episode, we're going to be breaking down this very first meet of the season and some exciting new bars that have been set by the team. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, share, and follow. It really helps us know that you're enjoying the content. Also, follow us on Instagram at Track World News, where we post different content about the most upcoming meets, up-to-date news, and everything else track and field related. Have a good one, and peace.